Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Um, This morning we are looking at our Heart for the House focus. This is something we do on an annual basis. Um, It's an opportunity for us to focus uh, our attention on what we as a church are doing and the finances surrounding what is required for us to achieve what God is calling us to achieve. And so we're in for a great, great time. But to kick us off this morning, I want to read to you a portion of Scripture found in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. This is Jesus speaking. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus said many amazing things. This is one of them. And this is what He says. He says, I'm the light of the world. And uh, I want to transfer the light that I have and the light that I am to you. He has mandated us as born again believers to be the light of the world. Just as Christ was the light of the world, now He wants us to shine our light. He wants us to shine the Christ in us to others. And so He says, let your light shine. What does that mean? It simply means this, live your lives in such a way that Jesus Christ would be glorified in and through all that you do and all that you say. That's simply what it means. Let your light shine means live your life in a way where God gets the glory. We had an incredible young man join me up on stage last Sunday night. His name was Daniel Carlin. And he's a, a, a basketballer. He's playing college basketball in the States. And he talked about how he balances playing college basketball in the States with being a Christian. They are not in conflict with each other. And he uses his sphere of influence. He uses his world to shine his light. And as a result, people's lives are being changed. And indeed, many lives were changed on Sunday night as we got to hear his story. That's what Jesus is talking about. Wherever we go, whatever we do, let us shine our light. Let us live our life. Amen. Let us live our life. Heart for the House is an opportunity for us to look at some of the focuses of this church. We believe that God has called us as a church to connect people. Everyone say people. People are important to God and they're important to us and they must be important to the church. We believe that we are here on planet Earth to connect people to God, to His church and to their purpose. And we do that with three focuses. If we can just have the image up on the screen, that would be great. In order for us to fulfil our mission, we do it with three focuses. One is the church, one is the community, and one is kingdom. They're the three main focuses through which we connect people to God, to His church, and to their family. I want to read Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23. It says, the church, you see, this is reading from the message. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which He speaks and acts, by which He fills everything 
with His presence. Now, I'm not sure how you see the church, but I do know the church gets its fair share of unfair publicity. We are not perfect, granted. There is not a perfect local church on the planet. We have our spot, blemish and wrinkle. We're not perfect. But I do believe that the church is God's answer to the world today. I believe the church is not to be peripheral to the world, but the world is to be peripheral to the church. And I believe it's through the church that Jesus wants to do some incredible things in our midst. And I realise it's the church that comes under attack more than anything else. And so today, I wanna shine light onto our first focus, and that is the church. We have three main focuses, church, community, and kingdom. Today, I wanna shine light on our first priority, and that is the church. I say that because it's from the church that everything else flows. I don't know if ever you grew up like I did with the fable about the goose that lays the golden egg. Anyone grow up with that story, that fable? Well, I did. And I believe with all of my heart that it's the church that is the goose that lays the golden egg. It's from the church that we do community. It's from the church that we do kingdom. All of them are important, but we've got to get our priorities right. These things flow out of the local church because it's a local church that Jesus is building and it's the local church that Jesus is coming back for. This morning, in just a little while, I'm gonna ask some of our team to join me And I want them to talk about what it is that they are doing in the church and why the church is so important to them. But just to set the scene, I wanna look at seven reasons why I believe in the local church. And I mean very quickly, I've got seven things I wanna do this in about five minutes and then we're gonna invite the team up. Seven uh, Seven reasons why I believe in the church because Jesus loves the church. And if Jesus loves the church, we should love the church. Secondly, because Jesus is building the church. If Jesus is building the church, we should be building the church. In actual fact, it's the only thing that Jesus is building today and that is His church. Do you know that? And so we should be interested in what interests Jesus. Number three, because Jesus is the head of the church. He sits at the table as the head honcho, the CEO, the boss man of this organisation called the church. And I do not believe Jesus would sit in such a high position of an organisation that had no bearing on eternity or was not significant. The fact that Jesus Christ is the head of the church says one thing about the church, it's important to Him. Number four, because Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. No government, system, business or parachurch organisation has ever lasted long-term. The church, however, has been around for the last 2,000 years and it's withstood so much opposition. There have been people who have risen up against the church and tried to squash the church and kill the church and stop it functioning. And yet she continues to grow and continues to rise. In actual fact, now the church of Jesus Christ has more influence around the world than it ever has before. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the cornerstone and He's the one who's holding it all together. And you can try as you might to bring the church down, but you will never destroy the church because Jesus Christ is 
He's at the centre. He's the capstone and He's holding it all together for the good. Colossians says He holds all things together and that's what He's doing. And that's why there's been better men and women than you and I who have tried to to destroy the church and have never been able to do it because Jesus Christ Himself is the cornerstone. When you fight the church, you're not fighting men and women, you're fighting against God Himself. Number five, Jesus um, has empowered the church. That's why I love the church. That's why I believe in the church because Jesus Christ Himself has empowered the church for us to do supernatural things. Jesus says, I want you to love your enemies. You say, that's impossible. And it is. That's why I thank God for Jesus because He empowers us to do what we could not otherwise do except for His power at work in us. That's why I love the church. That's not gonna happen for you in business. It's not gonna happen for you in other organisations. But in this organisation called the church, the body of Jesus Christ, we get supernatural power to do the supernatural. I love that thought. He's not like a boss who gives us something to do that we can't do. He empowers us to be able to do it. And I love Him for it. Number six, you didn't think I would do this, did you? You did not think I would get through seven things in five minutes. So I believe in miracles. And this is one this morning. Number six, Jesus commissioned the church. Ouch. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He's commissioned us to be involved in the discipleship making process. He wants you and I to get our hands and feet dirty for Him. He wants us to be involved in the process of bringing people to Christ and nurturing them. Amen. He doesn't want just friendship, but He wants discipleship taking place in His church. And number seven, miracle of miracles, here we are. Because Jesus changed my life through His church. Seven reasons I believe in the church. Number seven is this, because Jesus Christ changed my life through the church. It wasn't some force that came upon me. It was the local church that was involved in changing my life. It was somebody, it was a person. Touch somebody next to you and say, somebody. That was just really an excuse for me to cough. That's all that was. (laughs) Someone invited me to church. And dare I say, someone invited you to church. I heard the gospel, where? In church. I surrendered my life to God, where? In church. I've met friends in church. I've stayed on course over the years with the help of people in the church. I've developed my gifts in the church. My leadership and public speaking gift was developed in the church. It wasn't developed at school. I was scared stiff of public speaking at school. I did not do morning talks. Remember those horrible things called morning talks? Every Monday morning we had to stand in front of the class and tell the class what we did on the weekend. I would just clam up. I would just go into myself. I would just go into a shell. I would do turtle. And I would not say a word. But it's the church that recognised gifts. 
It's the church that acknowledged the gifts. It's the church that identified purpose in my life and said, not only do we recognise, we're gonna help you develop that purpose and that gift in your life. And I've learnt leadership. I've learnt public speaking. And I thank God for the church because it helped me be who I am today and do what I am doing today. I thank God for the church. I love the church. I believe in the church with all of my heart. I've received countless blessings through the church. Oh my goodness me, I cannot tell you how much better off I am financially, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, mentally because of the church. You need to know this church because the world is not going to tell you this. The world is anti the church. The newspapers and media are anti the church. They will tell you all the bad things that are happening in the church. I want to just be loud and proud about what the church has done for me. I found purpose and I found meaning through the church. I've received correction and discipline through the church. Oh, I thank God. I thank God that I had men and women in my life that didn't give me everything I wanted when I wanted it. I thank God there are people in my world who said, no. I thank God there are people who said, what are you doing that for? I thank God that there are people in my world. Pastor Paul Benison is one of them who said, where were you on the weekend? We missed you, you know. Your life is no longer all about you. There are some young people who are watching your example. You can't just tick off anymore. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And I said, ouch, I don't like it. But I thank God that I had men and women in my life bringing the correction, bringing the adjustment into my life. Because it's all helped shape who I am today and brought purpose and meaning to my life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, one of my favourite portions of Scripture, it says, The thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have abundant life. Life to the full, life to the max, life with a capital L, one translation says. Who wants life with a capital L? In actual fact, I'm greedy. My name's Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. I'll have a capital I, capital F, capital E. Life, capitals. I love the church. I believe in the church. I make a stand for the church. We're not perfect. Just look at the person next to you and say, we're not perfect. If you're looking for a perfect church, May I suggest, if you find it, don't ever go to it because you will ruin it. <laughs> you will. Because you, the moment you enter it, it becomes imperfect. In actual fact, this building does just fine without us. This is a great building. And then we get here and all oh, heaven breaks loose which is just awesome. I've got a great team who's going to join me. I've just picked some of our team. We have a bigger team than this, but I just thought I would handpick some of our team to come and join us. I'm going to throw a few questions their way and they can talk to us today about what they love about the church and the areas that they're involved in. This is one just massive advert this morning for the church. So if we can put our hands together as a team come, that would be great.
Keep the round of applause going. Paul first walked out and everyone's laughing and clapping and then it just went further. By the time Chris got up here, there was no clapping. It was just, I, just, I was just feeling for you guys. So fantastic. Well, 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 well welcome. The reason we uh, felt to set it up like this is because it feels a little bit like home. And church is a house. It feels a little bit like a living room and family, doesn't it? And that's what church is. Church is a family. And so I'm going to quickly run through the team and just introduce you to them all. On the end here, we have Paul O'Neill. He looks after our young adults, which is great. Paul. Then next to him, we have Kirsty, Kirsty Neal. Um, and she's been looking after our youth. I'm just going to miss the next guy. Uh, we have Mick in the red shirt here. He oversees our kids' ministry. And Mick has brought one of his offsiders from Victory Kids this morning, and that is Bowen on the stall there. Yeah. Then we have Chris Guglamucci. He's uh, been involved in the youth in the last few months, which we're really appreciative. So Chris Guglamucci. We have Wayne uh, Hoffman, who oversees all of our connect groups. So welcome, Wayne. Yeah. To my right is Paul Benithan. This is the man I was talking about who's corrected discipline. I mean, seriously, this guy, you know, just picked on me more than the other kids Absolutely. in the youth group. Um, I don't know why, he just had it in for me or something. But again, I stand corrected in my bad attitude that I may have had towards you from time to time all those years ago. And I say I'm very grateful today, thank you. Uh, obviously, this is my wife, Kath. Let's welcome her. Other than uh, my wife and incredible host with the most, I mean, she's an amazing host. She really is. She's so warm, friendly and lovely. But many of you may not know, she oversees all of our ministry. She's our ministry manager. She just she has a massive portfolio. So she does a great job. And to her left is Ben Ottens, who we know as Benno. I don't know if that was a boo or an ooh. I'm not too sure. But uh, he oversees all the things, uh, music, production, um, and much of what takes place here on stage that you see week after week, he's responsible for. So welcome team. So glad that uh, you are with us. Uh, we have a few roaming microphones here this morning. And so I'm just going to throw a few questions toward these guys and uh, let them talk. And we'll just see where this goes. I don't know how this is going to go. We've never done this before, but that's what I like about church. We're always doing something new. It's a new day, isn't it, Paul Benison? Exactly. Fantastic. Absolutely. Excellent. Um, because I was picking on you earlier, why don't I just start with you and why don't you just tell us what it is that you love about the church and uh, love about correcting me specifically? That might be helpful. Well, I, I just like to feel like I was a partner with the Holy Spirit on the corrections. I mean, you I'm were. not going to take all the blame there. But, uh, At times I felt it was more you than the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I felt the Holy Spirit was more gracious than you were. But anyway. Well, I didn't say I was perfect, but neither were you. So we there we go. We're each other. So uh, we're doing it together. I think the thing about church for me is it's the place, it's, it is a place where we meet God. And the thing that I've found is, is that God gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and I may be a fairly big guy, but I'm still finite. 
and God is infinite. And as big as I am, I can't reach the extremities of my God. He's bigger all round than what I am. He's great. He always has something for me, always has something to say to me. Even driving in the car this morning, knowing I was leading the prayer meeting, he took me down a different path. God is always so interested in us as individuals and as us as a collective. You know, he, um, he's so big, he can care about the smallest detail. I've been at times in a big place, operating, ministering in a big church, and sometimes there are things which slid off the side of my plate. But this I've discovered with God. Nothing ever slides off his plate. And he, he embraces it. He embraces it all. So don't any of you think that God's not aware of you. He's not overseeing you, not looking at you, not caring about you, not loving you. God is huge. Or as my, one of my grandsons says, he's humongous. He's huge. He cares about us. And this place is a place of supernatural interaction. It's not money. It's not my gifts or talents that is the, is the, uh, the, the uh, transaction detail or the currency we use here. What is used here is as I come and believe, when I come and trust, when I come and have faith amongst the believers, God is here to meet with us in this place. This is his living body. Scripture says we are living stones or lively stones. Most stones I've seen are pretty cold, pretty still. But somehow God has made us living stones. Sometimes I think I'm still a bit hard around the edges. So we're aptly called living stones. But we are the church. And God has put life in us. Life in us. And so this is a place of life for all of us. Thanks, Pastor. Great. It's awesome. Paul mentioned it's a place where we meet God. I know it's a passion of yours, overseeing all of our production and worship. And although worship takes on many forms, I know, but singing and corporate worship is a big part of that. Want to talk to us about that, Ben? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I love the local church because it is a place that we encounter God. Um, you know, we are, we are all worshippers. We worship something or someone. Uh, you know, we're created that way by design. We're prolific worshippers. Um, what I love about the local church is that it takes that uh, and points it towards the only one who is actually worthy of that being God himself. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and worshipping in this corporate setting um, I mean, I believe it's the, uh, the most powerful um, and the most special place uh, that you can worship, you know. Um, I mean, I, I love being at home in my bedroom, uh, you know, with a, not even with music on sometimes, whether it's just me reading something in the Word and, and you find yourself just being really, really thankful and worshiping God, um, <clears throat> you know, and, and to music at home as well. I love being at like a, you know, like a Hillsong style conference where there's, you know, 20,000 people and, and everyone's singing to God, um, but but this context, uh, the local church, the, the, the place where you do life with people, the place where uh, you grow up with people, uh, the place where we go from being immature to being more mature, to be going not much like Christ, to becoming more like Christ, being side to side, linking arms uh, with each other, uh, you know, worshipping God. 
uh, is just the most uh, powerful and special place to worship. And so I love uh, that we get to come into the local church uh, and have tangible encounters with God. Uh, you know, there's a, uh, there's, a, there's a section of a song that I love. It says, one look from your face, one glance of your eye, and my whole world has changed. And I know that every time we gather as a people, there's a chance that, that people will have one fresh glimpse of God, uh, that they would have one glance of His eye and, and their world would, would be different you know, from, from, from there onwards. Um, I love that about the church. Wow. What about you, Mick Roberts? You're dealing with all of our young kids out there. So um, what's church mean to you? And can you identify in anything you've heard from Paul and Ben? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm very passionate about uh, helping our young ones uh, fall in love with Jesus, help them to see that uh, they are champions in the eyes of Christ, um, to help them to see that they've got great gifts and great talents, uh, that God has a great plan and purpose for their life. And so um, some people have, I guess, the idea that church is about just babysitting the little ones, but I wanted to smash that theory today. And uh, we, you need to know, church, that uh, you have a passionate bunch of volunteers right now investing into the life of uh, our children here. And uh, I want them to grow up knowing there's no different, that Jesus Christ loves me. He laid down my life for me. And the very least I can do is give my life back to Him and, and to grow up that being the norm. And we're already seeing that. I guess um, my little Jack-Jack, a part of Victory Kids as well. And uh, he always... Uh, reminds me of those sort of things. So he would uh, come and remind me, hey, Dad, you haven't prayed for me yet when I put him down to bed. Um, and, uh, and he would remind me about to praying for these things because that's what we get taught about. Even speaking to a mum the other day, she uh, tried to reach up to grab something, but she wasn't tall enough. So her little one said, hey, Mum, uh, we sing this song about you've got to read your Bible and pray every day to grow. So perhaps if you start reading your Bible and start praying, well, then you might be able to grow to reach that and so that's just the beauty of working with kids because they've got no filters they're raw and they believe everything that you say and so why not inject truth into that that being the very foundation they grow upon with so yeah awesome I'd say definitely a brown sitting next to me would be a product of this product <laughs> it sounds like we're producing things <laughs> Now, definitely Bowen, you know, he's uh, been a part of Victory Kids. And what I love about our, I guess, youth at the moment who have grown up in Victory Kids, they're just keen to give back. So, Bowen, you want to just tell us a little bit about what you loved about being in Victory Kids and what you're involved in? Yeah, well, I've been part of Victory Kids since I was little. So, I've grown up and, uh, like, gone through all the stages of Victory Kids and, what I've seen is that really what they're doing, they're teaching ground rules for our lives. What, we, the, what they're doing, they're setting the borders. They're saying this is what you need to do. And if you go further, it's not right. And I think that's really good that they can start off their lives so then we can grow further and mature more. Wow. That's great, Bowen. What, what, what I love, and, and, and Mick's already alluded to it, is that we've got our young kids that are growing up in Victory Kids, coming out of Victory Kids and saying, okay, now we've got to give something back. And uh, Bowen is certainly a product of that, which I'm very, very grateful for. I can't help but think that, uh, of that saying that it takes a village to raise a child. And uh, I would like to think Kath and I are doing okay as parents, but we are doing a lot better through being in a local church 
where our kids are getting the input from teachers at Victory Kids and our youth, etc. I, as a parent, with kids in both Victory Kids and our youth group, are so grateful that we are not left alone to do parenting alone. I'm grateful. Can we just put our hands together for these incredible uh, people looking after our youth and young ones? Kirsty Neary, you've been looking after the youth for a number of years, or at least part of the leadership team. Uh, why don't you tell us about what's been going on there and what church means to you? Um, so I've been part of the youth ministry for 11 years, so that's where I got saved into. And I've been a part of the leadership team for about seven to eight years now. So it's been a long time. And what um, Victory Youth means to me is it means that it's family. Because when I was not a part of the church and I had no idea what youth was, um, I had no idea or concept of what family could be. And when I came into youth ministry, I started to understand and see how a family works and how a family functions, because that's something that I've never been exposed to before. And so I got the privilege of having mums and dads and aunties and uncles and big sisters, because they didn't like me calling them mum and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, that, that, that side of my life that I didn't have before was something that the church could provide for me. And now being, the le- being a leader in the youth ministry, I have that opportunity to sow into young people, to be the mum or the nana as they call me now, because apparently I'm that old. Um, But (laughs) I'm 25, come on, it's not that old at all. Um, But you know, now I get that opportunity to sew back into our youth ministries, to see young people, to see generations impacted by God and to see them grow up and to see them flourish in the life of this church. Chris, you wanna add to that? You've been involved in our youth group for a little while now. Yeah, um, for me, I think all of my major encounters in my life where God has, has challenged and changed my life have happened in the youth ministry context, you know. Uh, firstly, from encountering God on a youth camp for the first time and, uh, and getting this real, uh, a personal revelation. I grew up in a pastor's home and always was surrounded by the reality of church and whatever, but my personal re- relationship with God went to a new level on a youth camp. You know, I had an encounter with God and He was real for me and it wasn't, it wasn't you know, the God of my father as much as it was. It was now my personal walk with God. And so walking that journey and then uh, being asked to be involved in leadership and different types of things attached to that and then having another revelation of not only God but his people and how that interaction takes place that was in a youth ministry context and then being involved in things like planet shakers and big conference environments and stuff like that and a lot of my revelations to do with worship and different stuff like that has all come out of that youth environment so for me I understand I think looking back I go man the power for me the, the drive that has kept me serving God for 25 odd years came out of a youth camp when I was 13 years old. And if I can grab a 13-year-old and get them to a place where they can have that revelation um, that doesn't just sustain them for a week and, all oh, that was a lovely order call and I got some goosebumps, but actually propels them into a life of destiny and purpose based on an encounter that's genuine, that's the passion. That's what I live for. That's what, and that's what I'm excited about in the future as we move forward in the youth ministry is empowering a generation with a genuine encounter with God that will sustain them through uh, marriages, through, you know, uh, being able to find the right person and, and build a great family and, and, and raise their kids in the ways of God. And all of that being propelled by a revelation and an encounter with who God really is that can happen when you're as young as 12, 13, 14 years of age. That's my passion. That's what I love about the church. So. Love it. Yeah. 
Can I just concur and say for me, many of my uh, teenage memories are in and around youth camps, that time of saturation, that time of getting away from all the other distractions and just getting saturated in the presence of God has helped shape my life, helped shape my relationship with my then girlfriend, now wife, and set me on a course that uh, I'm just so grateful for. And so parents, please don't just see it as another thing the church is asking us to do. This is life changing and altering for the better for our young people. Amen. Again, I just want to say thanks guys for what you're doing. Uh, Paul, obviously working with uh, the young adults. So we've got uh, Victory Kids, the very young ones. We've got our Victory Youth. And then we go into uh, young adults. And, and that's an age where a lot of people, you know, are coming into uh, an understanding of who they are. They're getting jobs. They're getting married. They're buying homes. They are uh, having a level of independence they've never had before. Um, and it's quite a, it can be quite a difficult age to uh, lead. Talk to us. Yeah, well, I got the fun group, I think. Uh, <laughs> young adults is, um, I guess, known, we're known as the generation that are sort of in between going, eh, eh, eh. But the one thing, the one thing about church that is really awesome, and I'm a product of this, like, so I can speak from an experience. I came into this place and God started doing like a supernatural work in me as I exposed myself to the spirit perspectives of others in the church that are doing it better than me that are further down the road so God's been introducing that to me and I think young adults is a real it's a it's a real cool ministry unlike you youth and um that where um no 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 not that came out wrong um the youth is really cool, but the, the youth is more about getting guys in and ministering to them um, and having a group where they're developing and growing. I really think the fruit of a young adult ministry that's thriving is when young adults are going out into the ministries to help the young guys. They're getting on the band. They're doing things. They're in the cafe. They're, they're not working nightclubs anymore. They're working cafes. They're walking around and just and just... Making, taking, taking the gifts that are apparent in their life and just shaping them and including God in them and God is using them to minister to people. So one thing I can say is I'm just, uh, the one thing that's so cool about our young and older ministry is we're getting people in that are broken and beaten, but God is shedding that skin off them and just, He's not leaving them like that. He's not leaving them exposed to the world. He's actually bringing encounter, He's bringing people and He's equipping them for life and He's actually actually equipping them with skills that they can take into their day-to-day world and be ministers of God, but also be passionate. He's like unlocking dormant passions as well in people. And sorry, I, I, I get a bit crazy and I get a bit heated all the time. I've got uh, the passion, the passion. I've got the Italian and Irish blood. It's just crazy. <laughs> so yeah, I'm... Yeah, God's doing amazing things in our young adults and we've just seen like numbers double, but not that. We've just seen, you know, yeah, like I said before, guys coming out of the nightclubs, coming to church, going and, and just finding God in this place. We're seeing people that have left churches, other churches, left our churches, coming back because there's something about this heart, the heart of this house that just attaches them to a purpose. And the purpose is strong and it's tangible Good. in this house. I want you guys to know how lucky we are to be a part of Victory Church. Yeah. I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate about people knowing that. So yeah.
I, I'm glad you're passionate. I'm glad that we're seeing passion coming through. I'm glad it's not just words uh, today. And I, I want you to capture that. I want you to know that. I want you to see that. I want you to digest that. These are people that are giving their lives to helping because they're passionate about it. Amen. You know, one, one thing we, we're really big on, and uh, Paul alluded to it, was that when, when you have the younger kids and youth, uh, in a sense, uh, those ministries are where we do things for them, but as they get older, we want to do things with them. And what we're seeing Paul doing is getting alongside and doing things with them. And so we've got uh, many ministries that are taking place as these young ones are no longer having things done just for them anymore, but they're taking ownership and doing things together, which is awesome. So I really do appreciate that. Well done, Paul. Um, I want to throw to Kath next and then I will throw to Wayne because um, they have uh, ministries that are more in the background. Um, th these ones are more upfront that we've heard from and, and that's all good and well. And uh, they, they were predominant predominant players and predominant ministries, particularly when you start a church and when your church is small. Um, in actual fact, when we first started the church, I, I just thought, you know, preaching, praying, and reading your Bible was all you needed to lead a church. And to be honest, it was enough to start. But uh, as the family grows, it gets more complex. And dare I even say complicated. Um, you know, when you're a young couple with no kids, you can have a sports car. The moment two or three or four or five kids come along, you know, bring on the minivan. Um, <laughs> It needs to change to fit the size of the family. Pete and Sally are going to buy a bus. <laughs> and it's not because they love buses. It's not because they are, they're anti-sports cars. It's the need. You've got to catch this. The size of the family changes the need. And as our family has grown, and that's what church is, we've had to do things that... It's not that we ever said we wouldn't do them. We didn't even think about them to do. We didn't even think about them to reject them. We didn't even know they existed. There are certain things we are doing today that we didn't know existed before. But as the need has uh, arisen because of the growth of the church, um, we've had to make some change. And uh, one of those changes is having Kath overseeing uh, all the ministries. And she's our ministry manager and overseeing a whole heap of things to make sure they happen behind the scenes. You want to speak into that, babe? Sure. I think for me, when you talk about what does the church mean to me, to me, the church is a place of care. And I'm administratively minded. And I used to think that admin and care didn't really match. But you know what? You can't have care without administration. And so my role has been to put some systems in place so that we can adequately care. And I don't mean adequately. I want to be above and beyond. My background is medical. It's always been helping people. I am a mum. So it just flows from who I am. And it's the heart of God. And um, for me, the church is a place where we can give care and we can receive care. And I just love hearing stories after stories. Of, we, I just announced this morning, we've had two new arrivals this week. And I love the fact that the church gathers and hears some new families and they'll get meals prepared and given to them. That when there's times of loss, you know, the Scripture says that we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. And so when someone experiences loss, there's the phone calls of care, there's the visits and the cups of tea. And just sometimes you can't say anything, but your presence 
is there. And then there's, you know, we miss people. And so we say, we're just a phone call to say, hey, we just, we, we missed you, what's happening? And you find out that they've been sick. And so again, you know what? There's a, a, a widow who's not, he's been doing it tough. So someone can come and mow her lawn. Simple things, but magnificent things because they really do reflect the heart of our Father. And um, I just think this world is so poised and positioned. It just creates in us a selfish nature. And what I love about the church is we're here to say, you know what, I want to I want to get rid of that selfish nature because not only have I received care, but I want to be able to give. And it really does make Scripture live when we say it's more blessed to give than receive. So I love hearing the stories about I received this, this happened, but I also love hearing the stories of someone saying, I got to share a cup of tea with someone. I got to take somebody somewhere. I got to take someone to a medical appointment because they didn't want to go by themselves. I got to sit with them. I got to mow their lawn. I got to invest in someone's life. And so for me, the church is just breaks that it's all about me mentality and brings it back to why we're here. We're here to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I just, I want to love people and I can't love everybody to the extent that I can on my own. So my role has been to build teams and to build people so that if Fred goes and sees you, let you know that that's actually Jesus in Fred and that's coming from the life of victory. It's the heart of the leadership of victory is if Tony can't be there, someone is there for you and that person is just an extension of the leadership team here. We love you guys. You're amazing. We want to do so much more than we're already doing, but I just think it's great what is happening. And like I said, I I just love hearing the the great things. People saying, hey, this happened, this happened, this is what's going, this is what the church did for me. And the wonderful thing is when you hear people talking in community and they say, my church did this. And to hear people who don't have that connection aren't in church go, wow, your church did that. It's amazing. That's, That's what Jesus wants from us. So I just, I love hearing those stories, but I also love those who give to see the joy in their face to go, wow, I actually participated in, in making an effect in someone, a change in someone's life. That's great. Good. I, I mentioned at the beginning that uh, the church has got its fair share of unfair publicity. And I think in this area is one of the biggest areas where the church gets its unfair share of publicity. Because in a normal family or in a normal business, or in a normal organisation, we understand that administration and structure is needed for the operations to work smoothly. But when you do it in church, people jump to its control and manipulation. And yet, you know, if you've got a family of you know, three kids or more, you need to diarise, you need to write things down, you need to organise, you need to plan. That's part of caring for your family. You can't just be hit and miss when it comes to raising a family. And that we extend grace to family. We extend grace to organisations. We extend grace to business. But with the church, we jump to the conclusion that it must be manipulation and control. And uh, I I just want to break that today. If you're away for a little while, you will get a phone call from us because we care. Please don't jump to the conclusion we're checking checking up on you. We are, but it's why we are checking up on you. That's what is often overlooked when it comes to the church. We're checking up on you because we care, because we've missed you, because we've noticed you haven't been around, because we notice that there are problems in people's worlds that are bigger than we can handle at times, and we want to be involved. So can you please work with Kath and the team and make their job a lot easier? I'd appreciate that. One of the stories in the Bible, when Jesus fed the 5,000, 
It says he got them to sit down in tens, fifties and hundreds. There was administration of that. Could you imagine the nightmare if he just free for all, just chucked it? I mean, there'd be stampedes, there would be people crushed. It's administration is actually care. And so like I said, if we notice you're not missing, we give you a phone call. It really is, we just missed you. And we want to make sure that you're okay. Because all of us have seen in the news this week, a very high profile person obviously was not okay. Slipped through the cracks. And yet nobody, there were people in his world and they didn't pick it. So if we, it's just we're saying, hey, are you okay? Because we're not perfect. We can miss things. We're asking the question, are you okay? We care and we just want to make sure everything's good. That's a great segue for you, Wayne, obviously overseeing all of our connect groups. Why do we do connect groups? Okay, yeah, that was an awesome segue. Um, we do connect groups because everyone's not youth or young adult or kids. And I'm wearing a Kid Go t-shirt just to confuse everyone, right? Um, I was going to swap with Mick. We joked about that behind the stage. Um, and the other thing is the biggest way that we can deliver pastoral care is inside small groups. Um, and the reality is that that is what we do. We have about 38 groups. I'm not going to bore you with statistics um, because that's not what's important. What's important is we have them. And if you're not part of one, you should be because you're missing out. This is family. I mean, I've never seen this done in a church before. This is just awesome. Um, but this, to me, this is what church is. This is just family. I have my own big family with a bunch of problems and a bigger one here, you know. <laughs> Come on, let's be real. We've all got problems. You know, And if we're not willing to talk about it in the context of our family and deal with them, what better place to do that than in a small group? You know, We call them connect groups. If you come from another church, you might call them a life group or a cell group or a, you know, if you're Bin Laden, it's, what is it? I don't know, cell? Yeah. Sleeper cell? No. no. Uh, come back, come back. I've lost you. Come back. Um, But the point is, there are awesome things going on inside connect groups every week, and if you're not part of one, you are missing out. I'm out in the cafe, and you'll see me around there, and all these guys are out there. And more than occasionally, someone will come up to me and say, why don't we have more gifts of the spirits? Why don't we have this stuff? You know, that's going on inside connect groups every week. You know, there's one connect group last two weeks ago. They declared a fast as a connect group. They had two people in their group get, get the gift of tongues and interpretation to go with it because everyone's freaked out. All right? so there's biblical stuff going on inside connect groups. It's uh, our connect group. Well, I go to it. It's not my connect group. The Madrons, where are they? They're on kids today. They're wearing T-shirts as well. Oh, there you go. Bowen's here. Bowen's younger brother, Kai. You've probably, if you've been here a while, you've seen the AV of their family and the situation with Kai. That boy and the doctors would have told you he was never going to walk. Well, go out in the cafe and see him later running around, you know. We prayed, we warfared inside that group for this boy. I know we did it corporately as well, but the weight of the burden on that family was held in a connect group. And, you know, that is what family is about. We can't do stuff corporately at that level of intimacy. You need to be in a group. It's awesome. Being, for me, being part of a large church and having a connect group that you attend is the best of both worlds. You get the large corporate togetherness and then you get the intimacy of small group. I I think it is the best possible way of doing life. Amen. So as we get larger, 
we've got to keep smaller and we do that through connect groups. And so if you're feeling like there's not a level of care taking place in your life because it's a large church, then I, I would ask you, are you involved in a connect group? And uh, if you are involved in a connect group and, and, and uh, things aren't happening, again, we're not perfect, but we'd love some feedback so we can help because we need some improvement, absolutely. Chris Guglielmici, let me throw a question. Are you enjoying this? Is this okay? Can we go a bit longer? I need five minutes to wrap up, so we'll do five more minutes. A couple of questions. Um, some people might say, you know, that they're afraid of losing themselves if they come under the vision of the church. Um, have you found that to be true, that you've lost yourself in saying yes to a bigger vision? Um, I think actually the reverse happens. And I think, you know, in the Bible where it talks about um, being members of a body and how, you know, a foot is a foot and a hand is a hand. I think this place is richer and more full and more fulfilled uh, when people are discovering what their fit is inside that vision. You know, God has placed gifts and talents on each one of us. And those things um, by themselves have a certain momentum, have a certain influence that's attached to them. But when you combine them with what somebody else does and you, you come in line with a greater vision and a greater purpose, which is not um, as, as, as respectfully as we can, it's not Tone's vision, it's not Cass' vision, this is God's vision. And uh, God didn't put that vision there to frustrate the life out of you or so that you would find your gifts don't fit and where do I go? But he put this vision here and, and his word to you is that there's a part for you to play. And if you can find your fit with your gifting, if you can find where that fits, and obviously that's what Connect Group is great for. That's what youth ministry and young adults ministry is great for. It's because we can break it down in smaller chunks. We can have a significant conversation with what's your burden? Where do you feel like God is stretching you? Where do you feel like you're called to? Where do you feel like you're the most effective and that conversation leads to well you know what we just happen to need somebody who has that specific gift gift and skill set or maybe it looks like well that's new that's different how do we make that work there's got to be a way that that works in the family you don't I don't go to my kids and go sorry mate the gifts that you've got on your life's not working out um, you're out no, they're my kids. They're part of the family. They're in. And, and my job as the priest of that is to help them find their fit and help them find their level and make sure that they're being effective and released and not frustrated. And so that, that's the heart of the church is to find that spot for you, that place where you feel like you're free to run with the thing that God has put inside of you. And in that, your effectiveness is maximised because of the momentum of a body coming in behind you, cheering you on, saying, you're doing great. You've found your spot. We're proud of you. Keep going. And the, and the momentum, not just of, of, um, of, of encouragement, but of the resource that then comes in behind, not just financially, but also people resource that comes in behind and says, well, that's something we can get behind. That's something we can see God moving. Let's amen that. Let's be part of that. Let's, let's get behind that. And to me, that's the power of the church. It's actually a place where you find yourself, not lose yourself. Isn't that great? A couple more questions and then we're done. Um, this is for, the, for everyone who can think of an answer quickly. Uh, I'm going to get you to fill in the blank, okay? Um, the church is like a blank because blank. So just, just a sentence. The church is like a Family. because. Family. <laughs> Go, because Kat. there's mums, dads, brothers, sisters. I just love Kirsty saying, you know what? She didn't have that as a model. 
and just the people I meet, and we talk to them, single mums, it's like, you know what, your kids have got fathers in this house. Hey, single mum, you've got uh, men who can walk alongside you to help you. Grandparents whose kids are interstate, there are grandkids here that need your love and affection. Um, kids, there are grandparents. There's churches like a family. God says He places the lonely in families, which means right. what you're missing relationally, you can find in the church. Right. Someone else? Paul? Um, the church is like a diamond because it's shaped and formed under pressure and that's where it gets his uh, fortune and riches from. <laughs> I just really wanted to talk. <laughs> no. Is that wrong? No. No, no. In, in saying that, um, the, the church is... I tell you, when you walk into ministry on a church, the first thing you'll find is, wow, oh, this is a bit weighty. Oh, this thing's going on here. But God is actually transforming what you've got, your raw product, your DNA, and He's actually just bringing in His pressure and His shaping. He's like the master sculptor, just taking off those edges. He's making it, and you're like, what's going on? I like that part of me, but you're revealing this part of me that I don't like. But like, God is just putting that pressure on, but it's to see you in what you're supposed to be doing to see what God 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 has the plan all together and he's just trying to shape you and he's trying to bring it to your light and it's just funny how when you walk the road and you you do this church thing there's things that you like about yourself that you're like I have to God starts convicting you I'm going to drop that because he has got a greater thing for me so I just say like the pressure might be you know, um, it, it might be hard to go through, but you've got to know that on the other end of that is blessing, on the other end of that is influence, and other, on the other end of that is just your, your greater vision for your life, and sh- it's good. <laughs> Great point. Great point. It was. Uh, that's, that's right, Paul. First Corinthians 3 says, I think it's, uh, that chapter says that the, the church is like a field where the farmer plants in it. And when you start planting something... There's always a ploughing to begin with. How many know what ploughing feel like? Mm -hmm. Then there's the spraying for the weeds. Then there's the pruning. Then there's whatever else needs to go on in order to produce a harvest in our lives. And in the church, that's what's happening to us individually and collectively. God is working in us and with us to bring us to a point of harvest. And, and, And this is the genius of God is that we can be harvesting while we're still growing. He can harvest from us, from talents and abilities. He will use our lives to harvest from others, from new Christians, while we are still yet growing and we're not perfect ourselves. And that's, that's the absolute genius of God. That's why he says he's taking us from glory to glory. One other. I did do a bit of thinking about this actually and uh, I don't know whether I'm proud of my answer (laughs) but but the answer I came up with, you know, the church is like a toolbox, right? Uh, It's full of a bunch of tools um, (laughs) who actually have a purpose and a use uh, but are completely useless uh, until they're in the hands of the the craftsman slash creator. Come on, Mick. One, one. What would you, what would you tell the kids? I'd say the church is like a smorgasbord. 
That's right. There's lots of good food to choose from. Yeah, there's lots of things that you can choose from as far as, you know, there's, um, your destiny is found, I think, in the life of other people. And uh, there's much things you can just gain from contributing into different parts of the church. So the church is a smorgasbord. There's lots on offer for us to gain from, but also contribute back into. That's great. That is awesome. Have you been blessed this morning by hearing from some of our team? Have you seen the passion? Have you felt the passion? I I trust that you've been refocused in your understanding of the power and the importance of the local church. Can we please put our hands together one more time for this incredible team? As they make their way off stage, that would be great. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate that. Just want to conclude with this particular scripture. And it's found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through to 21. It's, it's, it's wonderful that we get excited about the church and, and, and the grand vision and the excitement around what has happened and what is about to happen. But nothing happens without someone paying a price. And why should that price be left to a small group of people, a team of leaders or a handful of volunteers? I believe in team. Together, everyone achieves more. And in Matthew chapter 6, it says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where lives do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I believe with all my heart that where we invest determines our focus. On the 31st of August, which is two weeks from today, we want to take up a heart for the house offering. This is something we do once a year and it's something in addition to our regular giving. We're not here to manipulate you. We're not here to twist your arm. But I am asking, based upon what you've heard, adding to that prayer, fasting and waiting on God, I believe God can speak to you about how much and whereabouts you can help out. I believe... And God has given me faith for us to raise, in addition to our regular giving, $300,000 in the next 12 months. In order for that to happen, there needs to be a pathway. And so coupling faith and prayer, there needs to be a pathway. And if you look up on the screen right now, we've broken down this figure this way. We believe that this total of $300,000 can be achieved by 385 giving units. What is a unit? A unit is simply an individual, a couple, or a family. Individual, couple, or family that could commit to one of those amounts. It could be that you, like my daughter Jordan, who is an individual now presently with a part-time job, is able to give, in addition to her regular giving, $5 a week. That is one unit. Coupling what the rainbows, Tony, Kath, BJ and Mitch are able to do as another unit, a family, to what we are able to give and commit. 
And we believe that 385 units, one giving the 20,000 per annum, and, and, and there'll be some here who can do that. There could be some here who can give 10,000 per annum. There can be some here that would give 5,000 or 2,000. Whatever amount it is, I believe that it will add to the collective and the corporate in us moving forward. There is power in agreement and there is power when we work together. And so if we can have our team just hand out these Heart for the House cards, this is for you to take away, to pray about, to think about and to commit to where you can financially over and above our regular giving so that we can get this figure, so that we can do things at a church level, at a community level and at a kingdom level. And all those things cost money. The reality is the figure we've put on this isn't going to do everything we want to do, but it's going to go some ways to achieving what we need to do. Some of those will be here in the church, some will be in the community, and some will be at a kingdom level. Amen. And so please just grab one of those cards. That would be great. And as they're giving out, I just want to close with this thought. The Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Some people don't like church because they have no treasure there. They just come and take. But I believe church becomes more important and more significant as we invest into it. If you want a change of heart when it comes to the church, you need to put your treasure in it. Let me explain it this way. As a young man growing up, I, I played soccer and I played at a fairly high level and I loved it. And I can think of nothing better getting married and having kids and taking my kids to soccer because I love soccer. And I did that for a number of years. Six years, my son Mitchell played soccer and I enjoyed watching him. And then one day he came and said, Dad, I'm no longer interested in soccer. And I could see that. I knew as a dad, I knew he wasn't enjoying it. I knew he wasn't having as much fun as he used to. The trouble is I was enjoying watching him. And he had to make the decision not to play. And I think that was the right decision. However, it gutted me. For 24 hours, I lamented. Just like, oh, my son's not playing soccer. And then he took up this crazy sport that I had zero interest in whatsoever. It's called basketball. Anyone heard of it? Basketball. And uh, he, he's like, he, he, was, he was like the shortest kid out there and he'd never played before. And, and uh, all these other friends have been playing for many years and, and one of his hands isn't the same size as the other hand. And I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, my kid's gonna be that kid on the team playing a game I don't even like. Why doesn't he go back to soccer? Come on, parents, you know what I'm on about. And something very strange happened. Something so strange happened. Something I never factored in was this. The fact that my treasure was playing changed my love of the game. See, my treasure, Mitchie, was playing a game that I didn't like. But now, because my treasure was there, my attitude toward the game changed. I would never have got into basketball had my treasure not been invested in it. 
And I see that happening all over with young adults and uh, youth leaders going to watch their youth kids play sport that they never would have watched. Why? What causes a youth leader or a young adult leader to go and watch somebody play a game that they don't even like because their treasure's there. Their kids from youth, their kids from young adults are there. Just last night, there was a whole group that went to support Daniel Carlin. Why? Because the treasure is there. These are people that don't just go to every game. They don't go to any game. They don't just do anything. But where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And I'm asking you to prayerfully consider where you can invest. I want you to put your treasure into this house. It's a good investment. And I believe as you do that, your heart will grow and grow and grow for the things of God. If you're just a taker, then your things, the things for God will never go as deep as they could or should. I love basketball. I've become really fond of the game. Why? Because my treasure was there. And it's a love I never would have had, had my treasure not been in it. So we're not here to manipulate. We're not here to control you. But I will not apologise for having strong vision and a strong purpose for why we are here on planet Earth. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 